and welcome to another episode of Talk Go for Buckets. I'm Luke Buer. And this is Ryan James from the quarantine basement of my home. <laughs> that, that is the same over here, Ryan. This is the quarantine special episode series, right? Uh, you and I have some more time. We've been texting some more. We're like, hey, let's, let's, let's move this to a, a recording and not so much our text thread. So um, here we are. Uh, I, think, I think it's crazy what's going on globally. I think no surprise to anyone. But man, what a ripple effect it's had on college basketball. Um, starting with no NCAA tournament, actually just no postseason play really at all for, for the most part. Yeah, it was. It, it's amazing how quickly the freeze was. We went we went from being excited to seeing what would happen in the Big Ten tournament, to seeing a win, to talking about how Minnesota could beat Iowa, and then freeze. Everything was done, and now we are all at home, fearing for you know, fearing the worst, but staying at home and helping to keep the. Well, I always say, keep the curve down. Is that how we say it? Yeah, I mean, fl- the flatten, flatten the curve. Um, basically, make it such that uh, such that health healthcare professionals can accommodate. Um, you know, when the needs arise, right? I think that's the main that's the main goal. And um, you know, Minnesota seems to be doing an okay job relative to other states. So um, that's something we're better at than other people, apparently. Knock on wood. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things like we're. You know, people people talk about people. People want to talk to people. And, like, everyone's situation is different. So I asked you, Luke, like, how has your life changed in that way? <laughs> well, uh, currently I have a very nice spread set up in my basement um, to, to basically do my job. My wife is here as well. Our son's... Um, our son's daycare is closed. Uh, we were fortunate enough that we have a we had a nanny over the summer, um, and she was able to she was able to come because she's a school teacher. But other, I mean, it's crazy. We basically do everything from our house now, man. It's wild. We almost go nowhere. Yeah, I, my family, like my wife, went to uh, man. She needed to get some some painting stuff things. She went to Menards, and that was basically a two hour trip just to chill. She barely leaves. She's with the kids. I like as a teacher, I still go to school every day. Now a lot of teachers don't do that. But oh, you I, do! Wow. Yeah, most of our, we don't have to. Most of our teachers, like I'm one of an average of twelve people that are in the building every day, and that includes like people watching the kids, daycare kids at school. I just choose to go in there because a that way my three kids, my kids go to a like two of my kids go to a private school, and their teachers are not letting up one bit when it comes to their work. So. A, they need space in the house, and B, they need the internet. And I need, I, as a special education teacher, I have to talk to all my kids every single day. And I'm delivering, I, like, I have, I, we're, I'm at Lester Prairie, and we, but we have kids at Silver Lake and Winstead and Plato. I'm delivering school supplies and sometimes food to kids because these are single-parent homes and right. single-parent and these situations are still working. They can't come to school to get their packets. Right. They don't have internet. They have to do packets. I have to deliver them. So, and I'm talking to kids every day. So I sit in my office, don't see anybody all day, just sit in there and work. And like, that's my day. I come home and then I'm down here. So it's, it's, it's a different style of day, but the hours are still the same. Now our PE teacher, I'm going to rat him out right now. That dude <laughs> spent all last week fishing. And then he would like, he'd wake up in the morning, put something out there. And then like at noon, he checked some things send some emails, go out and fish again. Like, and we're getting paid the same. That's, that's where, that's the craziness of this is. But then like, what is he supposed to do all day? Like wait for calls to the people asking about PE. That doesn't happen. They just, right. That don't happen. But anyway, that is, 
that's our life right now. You know, I spend all of April and part of May traveling basketball tournaments all the time. Right. It's not going to lie. It's kind of nice to not have to travel all spring for once, right. even though financially, financially it, it's a dent. But, like, it, it's kind of nice to be home with everybody and relax. And I, I do miss the NCAA tournament. But also on the flip side, it's nice to slow down a little bit. Although it may be, you know, this slowdown is costing people, some people their lives, some people their health, right. some people their jobs. Right. So it's not a good thing, but I'm just trying to make the best of a good thing, you know? Yeah, and I think, yeah, it is a big change in life. And, and, and in some ways, I find myself listening to a lot more podcasts than maybe I did before, even though I listen quite extensively when I travel. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, what Ryan and I are doing here can be a little bit of a, a release for some of you all, um, whether or not you're doing yard work or whatnot. Uh, we, we appreciate that you're joining and listening. And um, we'll give you as much information as we can and obviously the banter that we normally have. Um, um, but, yeah. but okay, Ryan, let's, let's look at the NCAA tournament as a whole. Um, obviously get canceled, obviously the right move. I, you and I are both soccer fans, right? Um, have you, yep. have you read, uh, did you read that they can trace back, uh, a big outbreak in both Spain and Italy to a, uh, to a soccer game? Did you read that? Yes, yeah, I did read it. And when you start to put like the pieces, I didn't read that article. As a matter of fact, when we're done here, I'm making the Costco run like I do every Saturday. Yeah. And then I make I go to Barnes Noble, actually pick up some books here and there that we might need for education slash entertainment. I'll grab my Sports Illustrated, which I occasionally do. But like you, I, I looked into that, and it, but it makes sense when you consider how packed in those fans are at the soccer games, not just in the game, but all the the bars that people go to for to sure. see the games, the the chanting, the uh, it, with soccer they do like. You know, when I when I was young and my, I used to join my brother for Miami Hurricane games, they did something called the cane walk, and all the fans would come. It would walk down together, four hundred people, and they'd scream and yell at everybody that that up in the other team. It was kind of fun, cut fun little banter. Well, they do that for soccer games every weekend, but it ain't four hundred people. It's like half the crowd. So when right. you consider the gatherings, and not just in the soccer stadium, but the gatherings that go on with the fans before then after the game, it makes complete sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it made sense that they got rid of the NCAA tournament. I know a, a number of people were hoping that they'd find a way to at least televise it. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, even pulling away a lot of the fans, you saw what happened in the NBA. It was the right move to can- cancel that. It's a, it's a bummer for schools like Rutgers, like Penn State, for that waited so long to get back to an NCAA yeah. tournament. I do think it's dumb that they didn't pick the field. I know that they couldn't, they didn't want to largely because the conference tournaments didn't end. But, you know, giving those teams that satisfaction, but it's it's still a bummer um, that they didn't get that satisfaction because both those programs earned that right um, to go to the NCAA tournament. At least they'd have that moment uh, to know that they were in. So, but you know, I guess it continues again for them. Dude, that's an interesting point you brought up, just picking the tournament. If they did an NCAA tournament selection show today, today, based on like, you know, so you still better give those automatic bids. You know, I'm not exactly sure how many teams had already earned their bids, but you throw them in there, and the teams that are in the middle of their tournament, you give that automatic bid to their conference, the conference champion or the regular season champion, mm-hmm. and then you do your at-large do you know the ratings that would still get, even for a for tournament sure. that wouldn't even take place? If they put the brackets out just in a show, you would have, like, you'd get ratings. On the flip side, 
can you imagine if you were a coach that needed one or two more wins in your conference tournament and you need that tournament to, you know, keep your job and all of a sudden the NCAA tournament is like telling a bubble coach who's on the hot seat, hey, you didn't make the tournament. All of a sudden you can't say, you know, two, you know, you can't say I've been coaching for five years and this is our first tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like, or you, I've missed four of the five or you, you missed all five. When you were close, you didn't have that chance. They could have hurt people's jobs in that regard. So that's, they won't do it that way. They don't want to get people's hopes up. But I'm telling you, you want ratings? You want something to people to pay attention to? We would all tune in to see the NCAA tournament bracket for a tournament that wouldn't even exist. For sure, we absolutely would. Um, no, no question about it. Uh, but you know, one of the interesting side effects of, of this has—I I think I messaged you a, a Forbes article this morning, which basically said, you know, the large reason that there hasn't been the turnover in college in, in major college basketball uh, head coaching positions is largely to do the economic status of how the coronavirus has impacted things and all the unknowns related that largely because I think, you know, a huge portion of that, that, uh, revenue that comes in for athletic departments is tied to football. And right now there's no guarantee that there's going to be football. Right. So, you know, being able to finance, you know, buying out a, a coach or whatever, you know, that's a big reason that there hasn't been this turnover. And now I'm not saying that, that Mark Coyle was going to fire Richard Patino, but I have to imagine that was a big reason that Richard Patino is still here. Oh, I mean, it's a talking point. Like, let's if if we if we ignore it, we're lying. You know, yeah. like people were talking about, you know, the next coach if things didn't if the, if the end of the season didn't finish strong, finish strong, and then all of a sudden the season is ended, and then you know all of a sudden we have the world scare that we do. Yes, that if whatever percentage that Patino may have lost his job, how however big or small it may be, this obviously helped it. Now. That doesn't mean we're not here saying that he would have lost his job or would not. As a matter of fact, I think Minnesota would have had a chance to beat Iowa. The way Minnesota shot the ball from the arc the last three games, I believe that they had a real chance to beat Iowa, so especially with Daniel Oturo being able to play against, um, against you know, National Garza. Player of the yeah. Year. Yeah, Lou Garza. I, 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 he didn't win. Now, Obi Toppin won national player of the year for most places but some people were talking about Luke Garza for that award too mm -hmm. so I think I just don't know that Minnesota makes the final four because I mean I you beat Northwestern yeah you beat Iowa I could see that but then you're gonna play it was Illinois I believe mm -hmm. I know it's been so long in the past but you're gonna play Illinois who hasn't even played a game yet right they yeah. would have earned that seed and I, I, I don't see them making the NCAA tournament based on that, the odds would have been against them. But I do think the odds would have been with them to beat Iowa. So you never know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it would have been interesting. I don't. Th I don't think even if the Gophers make a big run outside of like you said, making that that Final Four of the Big Ten tournament. Maybe even then, I'm not sure they get in. They played a very strong schedule, but in, in the grand scheme of things, I think maybe the body of work probably doesn't get them in. Um, but at the end of the day, you know what Patino's still gonna he's still gonna sell is that he's made two of the last three NCAA tournaments, right? Um, which hasn't been done in a long time here. Now, um, I, I still think that people aren't gonna forget this last season. Uh, that you know, not 
I don't know how high expectations were, right? We, we talked about that at length before, but I think people are disappointed in the overall body of work. And, and, <clears throat> and as a result, you know, I think some people were anxious for a change, but I think at this point, I think most people recognize and understand why a change wasn't made given the circumstances of, of the pandemic and the economic uncertainty. Yeah, and I think and everybody understands that. And, you know, the other thing about Coach Patino, in, we're, we're through seven years. Through seven years of Dan Munson, like 99% of the fan base wanted him gone. Through six years of Tubby Smith, 95% of the fan base wanted to be rid of Tubby Smith. Through Richard Patino, I'm going to get it, give it a good 55-45 ratio. Um, and the ratio, the ratio, the the bigger ratio is the casual fans leaning it towards we want to fire, we want to win because that's the natural reaction of the casual fan all the time. But Richard Patino has a lot of support you know, on our Gopher Illustrated message board on Twitter in the community. A lot of people like Coach Patino. A lot of people like what he's done with some of the players. A lot, lot, lot of people like how some of the players have developed, and there for are sure. cases for that for sure. Richard Patino has support of a section of this fan, a section of the fan base seven, seven years in. Whereas you cannot say that about Dan Munson. You could not say that about Tommy Smith. So there are, there are differences there in terms of support on the flip side, result wise. I mean, if you look at the results that Tommy Smith had as for, as a team and Richard Patino's, what's the difference, mm-hmm. you know? So on the, on, but then on the next, also building off of that, there's a difference there. Richard Patino is a young coach who's starting to enter his prime. Whereas Tubby Smith was not mm-hmm. long past it. And also Richard Patino, like we always talk about that short window spring recruiting. And once again, Richard Patino is stepping forward and getting solid, solid players in his spring recruiting efforts. And we're not done yet. Yeah, you're definitely correct. We're not done yet. Maybe we should transition and talk about that a little bit. Uh, recently, within you know, we're recording this on a Saturday. It's actually the 11th of April. So who knows what happens if you're listening to this, you know, a week down the road. But right now, uh, they got Liam Robbins uh, from Drake, who arguably is one of the top transfers in the country. Um, this is a guy that that comes from Drake. He's is he seven feet, Ryan? Yes, he's seven feet, two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah, and and he averaged, I think, something like fifteen points a game. Um, he's supposed to be pretty good defensively as well. He's he's one of those late bloomers, right? And then just to round off the guys that they've gotten, uh, as well is uh, Brandon Johnson from uh, Western Michigan. Uh, so Minnesota is going back to Kalamazoo, trying to get um, you know some high revenue sport results. Um, it, I'm speaking obviously of PJ Fleck there, uh, but oh, hopefully, yeah, yeah. Hope, hopefully Brandon Johnson uh, can bring that. He's another guy that scored 15 points a game, eight board or 15 points a game and eight boards per game. Uh, but let's maybe f- start with, uh, with Liam Robbins. Uh, um, as I mentioned, he is one of the higher rated. They don't really do rankings in transfers yet. I got to imagine that's coming. Um, but I oh, think they're, 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 they're starting to, okay. They are definitely starting to Luke before I let you go on. Yes. I, I, ha- I have a reality TV pitch for you. You ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So I'm going to be a cameraman hiding my face, and I'm going to give, and you are going to take University of, you're going you're gonna to open up a small kiosk of gopher gear on a street corner in Kalamazoo, and I'm going to film <laughs> from the corner 
like impractical jokers. I'm going to hide in the corner. Me and Burns. Me and Burns. Because I don't know how to hide, and Burns will know how to camouflage me. So we'll be able to hide in Kalamazoo, and we're going to see what the Kalamazoo people think at University of Minnesota as we can, as we continue to see if they're good. Feel they're good. Where yeah. Where are you at? Uh, I, th- I think that... Um... Right now, we're starving for content, right? There's no live sports. <laughs> I think the ratings could be huge, um, especially here in Minnesota. I bet we could get some very very high Minnesota brands to sponsor this. I'm for it. I think you, Burns, and I are going to have to carpool together because probably not going to take a plane. I'm going to make sure, though, before we leave, that I'm going to take both of your temperatures and make sure neither of you have COVID yeah, before we go. Well- I wasn't saying we were going to do it now. We're going to do it when everyone's healthy. Okay, and okay. It'll, it'll be, and, and I'm sorry, but you're going to have to be the guinea pig out there. I'm going to hide. <laughs> and Bird sees this. Now, but while we're there, we can run an operation and see what else we can steal. Yeah, do they right. have a home run hitting you know, uh, first baseman? Do they have a, <laughs> a, a, a diver who is amazing and we can bring them back with us? We'll, just, we'll take a big van and right. we're going to take a big van. One of those one of those fans at the tailgate lot yeah. and we're going to, and we're going to drive that in there and we're going to bring back to Minnesota, all the best athletes in Kalamazoo and like, <laughs> and we'll, we'll see it. It'll be a few, there only going to be a few that are qualified, but that's what we're going to do. So anyway, Liam Robbins. Okay. Liam Robbins. This happened so fast. I believe it was a Saturday morning and he committed, excuse me, he announced his transfer. And instantly, I put on the GoPro Illustrated message board, this is the center. He's from Iowa. It's very close to Minnesota. Watch watch this name. On the flip side, I also messaged with people, college coaches and media people in Iowa, and the first words that came out of their mouths were, oh, Blue Garza's replacement, Iowa. So instantly, I wrote on the message board, people in Iowa think this is going to happen. However, after writing that, I started doing some research to learn about him because, again, when it comes to some of these players, you kind of have this instinct of this is the guy the Gophers will go after. So I'm looking at him, I'm looking into it, do a little Google search, and all of a sudden it pops up. Ed Conroy. Ed Conroy is his uncle. And I'm like, hold up. And then I got, I put that on the message board, and I'm saying it, it, instantly, after I put that, something about that on the message board, you start looking on Twitter. I did a Twitter search of his name, and that's everywhere. It's everywhere. And like, and I texted somebody, excuse me, I'm gonna, uh, that's not the case. Somebody from the Drake program who's Minnesota connected texted his AU coach up here and they let me know Robbins is coming to Minnesota. And this was immediate. So then I posted that. Then I saw from some national guys. And then sure enough, about an hour later, Ed Conroy gets raised to it. He gets his raise to uh, uh, associate head coach. Associate, yeah. yeah, associate head coach. And then you're like, Ding, 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 ding. He's not going to Stanford or any other school. He's staying here. Robbins now knows this. Now he can come here. A day later, he's committed. And that's when you start to learn. Like, when you start, the first thing I did was, like, well, how good is he? You see all these national guys talking about him being the best. Number one, numero uno, singular, number one, number one transfer, non-graduate transfer in America. This is no joke. He's the number one transfer in America. And then you watch the tape and you're like, this is beautiful. Do you watch his post position and his catch, his left shoulder turn with the right hand touch? 
it, it, and then you look at his frame and you look how he moves, his intensity, how he blocks shots. This guy's perfect. The one thing I haven't done yet, I've watched a lot of the highlight tape, and there's some extended highlight tape. Gober fans, you bored? Probably a lot of you are. Go watch Liam Robbins. Type in Liam Robbins into um, uh, blah, 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 YouTube, and there's like two 15-minute sessions of his highlights from somebody out there. So take a look at that. This does look like a potential future pro and the perfect, perfect candidate to replace Daniel Oturo. Yes, absolutely. Um, like I mentioned, he you know he comes in uh, averaging. Let me look at his stats. Overall, he averaged fourteen point one points per game. Um, he averaged. Let's see, rebounds. This is there's seven point one. Seven point one. Their stats are hard to read on this. He you know field goal percentage wise, he's just just shy of fifty percent. Um, you know ten to forty one from three. Tw- just you know right around twenty five percent. About seventy percent from the line. Um, yeah, 7.1 rebounds per game. Decent. I mean, I think this is a guy, you know, a decent number of turnovers at 57, not terrible. Um, but he doesn't obviously handle the ball a ton. Um, but I think the one thing that sticks out to me, 99 blocks on the year, Ryan. Oh yeah. That's the big thing. Like he's like a college younger version of Mark Eaton. And remember Mark Eaton from the Utah jazz, Mm -hmm. just like, He's like a college version, not as big, obviously, a little more mobile. Mark Eaton was like seven foot three. It was like, oh, he was like a running water tower running around the court. But like, I say Mark Eaton for two reasons. One, because Mark Eaton was always in position and he was so hard to score with his length. And that's Liam Robbins. And Liam Robbins is so big that like, like there was two blocks I saw where he stayed planted and really wasn't even in good position to block the shot. But he leaned over, and his length and timing still got the block way out of his area because he's so damn big. That's Mark Eaton. The other thing he does, he does the, the right-hand whip dunk. And I was telling you, like, what's a whip dunk? It's like the body doesn't move, but the arm just whips around like a bolt of lightning and smashes the ball through the, through the rim. Like, it's crazy. He'll just whip his arm on a dunk, and his body doesn't even, like, his body is, a, you know, a quick little jump. And the frame just stays strong and like penciled almost. Mm-hmm. And like he just whips his arm around and smashes on people, palming the basketball. Throwing. That's all Mark Eaton dunk, too. It's kind of crazy. It's also kind of fun. And my voice saying some crazy things. I sounded a little like Bill Walton, who, by the way, I've been watching a lot of West Coast basketball lately, Pac 12 basketball, to get familiar with the, the draft picks, that potential draft picks from Arizona, Washington, mm-hmm. and uh, some other places. Luke. How fun is listening to Bill Walton? He's not even a commentator anymore. He's just like a, he, like a, like a, he's just entertaining comment crazy. He is completely off his rocker. I think. Like I know it's hilarious. He is completely out to lunch at times. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I personally am really excited about uh, Liam Robbins. Uh, like you said, he's a great backfill for Daniel Daniel Oturu, who's obviously going pro. Um, he should be. He should be a first round pick. You know, the whole process of how the NBA draft's gonna go down is such a such a unknown at this point. Um, but you'd think that he has a pretty high potential of getting picked. But Liam Robbins is a great backfill there. Um, because you know, with with Arturo going pro, there are lots of question marks before before Robbins transferred. Luke. What's up? Hold on. I I lost there for a second. Sorry. Sorry. Yes, there there were questions about you know about the post position we were we were worried about the post depth 
who's going to play this, who's going to play this. And then in the matter of a week's time, Liam Robbins, Brandon Johnson. Mm-hmm. There you go. And hey, they're even talking about Matt Harms from Purdue. Although that doesn't make all that much sense right now, no. considering they have two scholarships, one for a wing and one for Marcus Carr. But hey, maybe somebody else wants to leave and Matt Harms can come and join too. And we can have a couple monsters in the post. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Johnson. Uh, Brandon Johnson, as we mentioned, is from Kalamazoo at Western Michigan. This is a guy that averaged 15.4 points per game, 8.1 boards per game. Um, looks like a very, very athletic guy. Uh, I, I've only seen a couple of highlights, not, not a ton on him, but obviously has been productive uh, in about 31 minutes per game um, for for Western Michigan. Uh, but again, fills, for, fills a front court position where, you know, basically what you had coming back was Eric Curry, um, Isaiah Enan, Jarvis, John, well, not Jarvis Johnson, Jarvis Omersa. Um, you know, there, it, there were no certainties there. But, I mean, this is some more stability uh, to bring in on that front line. For sure. And Luke? I know I'm putting you on the spot, and I'm really running wild these days, especially with this show. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm I will play a little game with you here. All right, we're gonna say all right. So, who are people naturally gonna compare Brandon Johnson with when it comes to this next season? Oh, nationally, in college or no, in the pros? No, naturally, like who oh, will be naturally. the natural? Oh, naturally. Yeah, like, um, last year, who was starting power forward? Uh, Alejandro Demir. Exactly, and he was a grad transfer, and they're mm-hmm. both coming from the mid-major level. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do some little little fun numbers game here. Who between Brandon Johnson, Brandon Johnson as a junior at Western Michigan, and Alihan Demir as a junior at Drexel, which of these players shot a shot a better field goal percentage as a junior? Oh, I'd probably say Demir. That's just a guess because I think you're trying to trick me. No, it was. Yeah, you're right. It was Alihan Demir. Alejandro Demir shot six percentage points better than Brandon Johnson as in his uh, as a junior. As a junior, who shot better from the arc as a junior? Uh, you know, Demir didn't shoot it real well here in Minnesota. So I'll go. I'll go Johnson. I, I am looking at Johnson's stats. He shot thirty three percent his junior season, and Alejandro shot twenty seven percent. Actually, Alejandro shot more threes per game as a junior than Brandon Johnson did. So Brandon Johnson looks to be the better three point shooter of the pair mm-hmm. um, where as juniors, whereas Alihan shot a better percentage. How about free throws? Um, I will go. Alihan was a pretty good free throw shooter. I'll say that Alihan uh, beats Johnson's 74 ish percent. You are wrong. Brandon Ooh. Johnson shot the better percentage. And then the, the, the couple of the other more important ones who re, like the scoring is almost sim, almost is very similar to what you know um, Brandon Johnson 15.4 points per game Ollie Hahn averaged 14.8 at Drexel the big thing is Brandon Johnson grabbed 8.4 rebounds and Ollie Hahn was never a rebounder so right. that right there is where I'm going to branch off Brandon Johnson is a more agile athletic player. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what does, what does that mean in comparison to what Alihan did last year? Well, he's going to rebound three more times per game on average. So that's, and that's huge. That's, that's, that's vitally important. Mm-hmm. Second thing, Alihan was a good position defender and he uses his size. Well, 
We don't know that about that from Brandon Johnson. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch a Western Michigan game. I will eventually, and I'm looking forward to doing that so I can tell everybody what I see. I can't tell you if he's a better position defender, but in the highlights and what you hear, I can tell you that Brandon Johnson is also more physical. Mm-hmm. Ollie Hunter wasn't very physical. Like he was good in position battle and he worked to his position, but he was never physical, which is why he was, wasn't as good of a rebounder. And then he had a much tougher time finishing at this level. Than, than Ollie. He'll have a much better time, I think, finishing Brandon Will than Ollie Hunt did at the, at the high major level. And the last thing, when you are as agile as Brandon Johnson is, and when you are more physical, and when I mean physical, you should see the dunk. If you can, I, I believe it was against Dayton when he was a, when he was a sophomore. Brandon Johnson dunked on two guys. I saw it on YouTube this morning. Like that's the type of thing that there's going to be a difference with. When Alihan had trouble shooting over Big Ten links, Brandon Johnson is going to be quicker off his feet and more physical to the rim. Mm-hmm. And what is that ultimately going to mean? No, I don't think Brandon Johnson is coming in here and averaging 15 a game again for the Gophers like he did at Western Michigan. I don't. But Alihan shot 41% from the field and averaged seven points a game. Well, I think Brandon Johnson, can, he can finish at a higher percentage and get that closer to a nine points per game. And when you think about it, if a guy is scoring another basket a game on average, that's a big deal. It is. That's a big deal. Yeah. Now, because that carries over some games a couple more times than usual, and they the Gophers need a more physical power forward. They need a more um, a better rebounding power forward, especially with Daniel O'Toole gone and Brandon Brandon Johnson should give them that. Yeah, you know, one thing that I always thought about Demir is he was crafty, right? Um, and crafty doesn't necessarily always translate to the Big Ten game, uh, especially in the in the front court, right? Um, you can, you can be crafty, but you like to your point, it's hard to score over length. At a certain point, you have to have that physical ability, um, you know, that physical ability to score and compete. And this is, I, I agree with you. This is what Johnson seems to possess. Um, but I think the biggest thing is defensively. There were just times that that Alihan would get overmatched, and you know that that's just the reality of the situation. I think Johnson has a better chance to transition physically to your point, which hopefully will translate to a better grad transfer. Now, I think that we do have to put a, we do have to set expectations like you did in that just because you put up certain numbers in, in mid-major basketball doesn't mean that it's going to translate for sure into high major basketball, like the big 10, you know, a guy like Hakeem or Akeem Springs, they, you know, those don't always happen uh, with those grad transfers, even if they are a more senior player, right? Um, or I guess an upperclassman. Um, I am excited about Johnson. It, it fills a void. It gives you some front court depth to go along with Eric Curry, uh, Jarvis O'Mersa. And I think Enan will probably play a little bit of three and some four. I really liked him at the four, much like they, he's a better shooting version, um, like they did with Tubby Smith's team when they put Rodney Williams at the four. Rodney Williams is super athletic, but I, I think there are times that you can get away with that more athletic, uh, not more athletic, but that better shooter in today's basketball, in today's modern basketball game where you can spread the floor better. Um, you can get away and give up a little bit of the size and physicality uh, and get away with that. So I, I, I like the position flexibility or sorry, the flexibility that you have in this front court now to play different packages going forward. Yeah. And just the one hope 
is that all everybody gets that one time waiver. And I oh yeah, there for have sure. been di- differing reports, but most reports believe that it's going to be passed, especially with everything going on in the nation right now. It, I mean, they're getting their transfers all over the place. I don't, I don't even know if the NCAA will have the manpower to handle all these transfer waiver requests. It's probably just, it's time just to do it. One time transfer for everybody. I think it'll get done. And then if that happens, you have your Minnesota centers, um, as Liam Robbins. Then you have Sam Freeman. And, you know, the thing about Marquise Mitchell, I haven't, I've only seen highlight clips of him uh, for as a senior. I want to watch a full game. But, like, I watched him play three, four times in the May Battle at the Lake Tournament. I saw him play at our tournament, uh, the summer, prep of the summer finale with Young and the Reckless, multiple times. To me, he is a higher potential and more fluid athlete than a version of Antoine Broxy, who was a gopher and then went to Oklahoma State. Antoine was came in here raw. He moved pretty well. He was long, 6'10", like Marquise's, block shot. There's a lot of similarities there. It's just that Marquise runs a little bit better, quicker off the feet, has a better shooting touch. That said, small forward, power forward, like that, that sounds great and all, because that's what the kid's thinking of themselves, so he can go be a pro. But when it comes down to it, he's not guarding Big Ten power forwards. No. From what I've seen, he's going to be a 6'10 long guy guarding probably centers. So you have him that can play the five or Sam Freeman that can play the five as the young guy. And then you have your Jarvis O'Mersa working hard out of position or Eric Curry. And those, and then you add in Liam Robinson, those are five guys that you could potentially play there. And you take of that group, you, you again, you have. Isaiah Enan thrown in there with Curry, Omersa, and now Brandon Johnson. It's a nice group yes. to have. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I think one of the things that we should we maybe should spend a tiny bit of time on, um, just in, in today's basketball, I, I've talked to a number of guys, uh, you know, when you think about positions and what positions guys play it's almost more important what they can guard rather than what they can that, do offensively right that's almost I'm the most so important thing yeah yeah that today's offensive basketball it's 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 not a a point guard shooting guard small forward power forward center like it used to people are using big small forwards as their foreman they're using guys that look identical as their two backboard guys or as their two wings it's who you can guard and, like, that's great that some of these 6'10 guys who have a little bit of shooting skill think they're going to be a small forward in the NBA. That's great. But guess what? You have to be able to guard that position, too. And, come on, let's, let's, let's think about it. Like, how many of these 6'10 guys, and I'm talking about a broad group of people here, not one guy in particular, how many of them are going to run around and guard Peyton Willis or Gabe Kelscher on the wing? They're just not. Right. It just doesn't happen that way. You're not – College basketball doesn't have that much size to do that. So that's what you have to consider there. Also, Luke, you had mm-hmm. mentioned Akeem Springs. Even Akeem Springs, he is considered the gold standard of Minnesota gold grad transfers. Correct. You know, like, if we were to rank them really quick, grad transfers, Akeem Springs would probably be number one. I would say Malik Smith. I, You know what? Alihan Demir would probably be number two. Yeah, I'd Malik take Smith Demir. Probably, yeah, and then Malik Smith, three. And then four would be Brock Stahl. I'm, 
if I'm missing somebody, I'm sorry. But I think those are the four that they added in the past. Um, but like Akeem Springs, he came in here as one of the top Milwaukee scorers, averaging 12, 13 a game. As good as Akeem was, he still only averaged nine and a half at Minnesota. Yeah. It was just his time. Yeah, it was a timely shooting, the way he played D. And he also hurt him. His, his scoring average is hurt by the fact that he started the year playing, you know, thinking it was Carmelo Anthony with the shots he was holding. Right. <laughs> well, that, and the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing that he brought to that team was that defensive mentality, right? That's the thing he yeah. brought, which doesn't always translate um, statistically. But, you know, he, he, he was able to compete at a very, very high level defensively. That was absolutely for sure. Um, I think we probably, to close out, we do have to bring up the fact that Peyton Willis is transferring. Um, you know, this, this does open up another scholarship. And we probably should also talk about, you know, Marcus Carr uh, declaring for the NBA draft. He does intend to keep um, his options open uh, to return to school. Obviously, we know Arturo is gone. Um, in, 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 in large part, you know why Arturo is gone? Because of that athleticism and the fact that he can guard multiple positions, right? That's what makes him, gives him that flexibility to be a pro. Um, relative to relative to other guys, where like I love Garza as a player. I think Garza's phenomenal to watch. I just don't know if his game translates to the NBA. I could be completely wrong about that. But at the end of the day, who who does he defend? Right. Same with a guy like Cassius Winston. Cassius Winston's phenomenal, but where does he play defense? He doesn't. Right. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, Willis transferring. Um, this is a guy that was here two years. He 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 played with Eric Curry um, in AAU. I think that was one of the connections. Um, ultimately, those two never really get to play together uh, in, in his time here, and he's looking for a new opportunity uh, now, and he's in the transfer portal. I haven't heard where he's going yet. I don't know if he knows, um, but that that is a loss on, on the wing in particular. And he maybe didn't live up to shooting expectations, but you know he does. He was an upperclassman, and now you your upperclassmen are going to be two juniors, assuming that Marcus Carr comes back in, in Marcus Carr and Gabe Kalsher. Yeah, and then you add in Brandon Johnson, who, who will True. be a senior, and Liam Robbins, who should be a junior. And then, well, I guess Eric Curry, and what is, I suppose we have to call Eric Curry a senior. It's yeah. Like technically, here that he gets the grad, he gets the medical Richard here. You know, but then, you know, you also have to wonder, you know, what's he, how much, is Eric going to want to, what's Eric going to be like? Where's his health like? I personally think Eric's a working as a warrior. I think he wants that one year in Williams Arena where he is able to show people what he can do. Mm-hmm. And I hope he can get that. But, mm-hmm. you know, back to Peyton Willis. Peyton Willis had a great start to the year. He got hurt over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, he came back, got hurt immediately again. Um, and then I think towards the end of the year, he started playing. He started getting a little bit more fluid in terms of more comfortable, I should say, on the floor with with who he, with, uh, with his health, and he started feeling better. He started moving better. But he was a guy who passed the ball very well. Good defender, shot 36% from the arc, although it was, it was kind of that Austin Hollins-ish up-and-down three-point shooting, not a consistent, you know, throughout the year type of three-point shooting. Um, but he's, he's a lot. So what do you get to fill that? That's a starting lineup spot right there. I don't know that anybody right now is comfortable saying, I say, Enan, you start at the three. Well, can I say Enan guard a small forward in the, in the Big Ten right now? We don't know. We that. don't know. You know, no, it's too early to tell. He did a good job becoming a better defender, but that was against power forward for the most part. You know, Trey Williams. Can Trey Williams, Mr. Energy, Mr. Battle, can he come in and handle 30 minutes of that position? Well, 
I don't know, man. He shot 27% from the arc and 28% for the whole season. So as much as I do like Trey Williams, right now I still like him in that reserve guard role until he can become more consistent. So you need to have an option that can come in and carry that load. So what are we looking at? There's three names, Kerwin Walton, and everybody wants to know, what's Kerwin going to do? I'm going to tell you guys again, Kerwin doesn't know what he's going to do. So if he don't know what he's going to do, nobody else knows what he's going to do. Now, the latest theme is his final six. Well, I don't see Kerwin going to a team that's struggling like Georgetown or Vanderbilt. I just don't. So you're down to four. He wants to play right away. Even though Creighton lost their best player on the wing, they still bring back three of their top four scorers who are all guards and wings, and they just added Alex O'Connor from Duke. Therefore, I mean, Kerwin is good, but that playing time, they got veterans there, and I don't know how much they're going to change that. Arizona, that Zeke Najee connection is big because Zeke's dad and uh, Kerwin's dad, they are connected. They have talked to each other about this. But Arizona, and I'm getting, bringing you back to that pack self talk, Luke. Arizona mm-hmm. loses damn near everything. Right. Damn near everything. They have a you know, nine man rotation. I think they lose at least seven guys. And then I watched HBO. Did you watch HBO? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how on earth is that going to just be skated by? Like, I don't know. I don't know how you could commit to them right now. You just. I don't know how. Well, they're, also, not only that, but it's not only that, it's LSU as well, right? Like, it, it's not yeah. just one school. It's it's ridiculous. I don't know how that hasn't been taken care of yet. Raise the ba- um, raise the Final Four banner in Williams Arena. Let's just call bygones be bygones and just raise the banner. Seriously. You know what? After what happened at North Carolina where they were, they just got to, you know, they get to have make fake classes up for kids. Right. Like, and they're cool with that. Then, you know what? Put banner back up wherever it is, who knows. That thing is in some guy's garage in Mississippi or in North Dakota. Who knows where that banner is these days? Make a new one. Anyway, but like, so then you keep going. North Carolina, they didn't have the numbers people were talking about. Well, now they do. And they need a shooter. If you watch the Duke-North Carolina games this year, they need a shooter. Kerwin could be that shooter. But then again, Kerwin's always had interest in staying home. And he went to nine gopher games. Like, he could play here. One thing about Richard Martino, if he likes you, you don't come off the floor much. Kerwin, if you're making shots, you ain't coming right. off the floor much. <laughs> and, and his mom, who they, he's very close to his family. Mom and dad, brother, they came with him to a lot of those games. Right. In the second row over there, they can have those same damn seats and watch them right down the street. So it's wide open. I think all options are in play. He originally had told me it was around the opening of the signing period, which is about April 15th. We have an April 25th decision. But that's a long ways away. Mm-hmm. So if you're Minnesota, what do you do? Because you have, you're also talking to legitimate options in right transfer, Drew Peterson, and George Mason, graduate transfer, Justin Keir. So okay, one one of the things one of the things that you'll hear people say that this is not a this is not a healthy way to build a roster, right? The way that they've been doing it with grad transfers, etc. This is kind of like the last topic I, I think maybe we'll hit on unless you have something else. Personally, 
I think that theory that this is an unhealthy way to build a roster or it's not good for the program, those days are gone, right? This is the reality of college basketball. And I think it's going to be even come more reality when you get the, when you get the one time free transfer that it's going to be bedlam. But that the days where it was like you, you spent four years at a school, those have kind of been done for like a while. And the reality of the situation is, is this is how you're going to have to construct a roster year over year. I don't think you're going to be able to gel like, like you did back in the, you know, nineties and early two thousands. This is college basketball has changed drastically. And this is the reality of the situation. And here's the fact of the matter. Patino's not that bad at building a roster this way. No, he's not. He's actually shown to be very good at building a roster this way. That's why we spring recruiting has been wonderful. And you're like, wonderful? You just li- listed the graduate transfers. They weren't that great. Well, how great is it when I throw in there that <clears throat> they just got the number one regular transfer in Austin Robbins? How about Jordan Murphy? He wasn't bad. You know, how about Marcus Carr? Right. All Big Ten players. Right. How about Reggie Lynch, Defensive Player of the Year? <clears throat> I could go on and on and on. They have had success in Shorewood window small time well, small time periods of creating quick relationships and bringing guys in and they've done it again this spring yes now to to play devil's advocate Luke the people that are looking at that and saying this isn't the way to do it they're watching Wisconsin mm-hmm. and they're noticing Wisconsin doesn't Wisconsin's had how many transfers lately they lost Kobe King but they added Michael Potter they don't have graduate transfers coming in and stepping in and it's handling big roles all that much. Same with, they look at people who look at Iowa and saying the same thing. Although, again, Iowa had to go to, to a grad transfer this year to help them in point guard because they lost some guys. They're looking at Maryland. They're seeing it. It's not common at Maryland. They're looking at Michigan State saying this isn't that common at Michigan State. That's why they say that. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, around college basketball, it is prevalent because guess what? Guess who is bringing in graduate transfers and looking at them? Duke. They're pretty good, right? Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. They're pretty good, right? You know, like Arizona. They're pretty good, right? Like mm-hmm. one of their best players was that Cornell dude, Cornell guy, Storm Bridges or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's happening in college basketball. I just think I just think this the second they change that rule and you get a free transfer, right? There's always kind of this unknown. The second they change that rule and they vote on it and it's very possible it's going to be this spring. I think you're going to see it. I think you're going to see that like 6 800 guys that transfer a year. I think that number is going to go up. I think that short oh, window no that that short window recruiting is going to go up. This is the reality of the situation. Patino's already good at. Does he need to improve? Does he need to improve his like, you know, four year coming out of high school recruiting particularly locally no doubt don't i don't question that a bit but the thing is is he is pretty good at the short window recruiting imagine if he could actually turn that around he might be a good fit here now i recognize the fact that you know the stats haven't been great but we have what we have due to the quarantine due to the economic situation, right? There's no getting around it. Maybe it's possible next year that the economic situation will be better. I'm not necessarily sold on that, right? I think there's a possibility whether you like it or not, he could be here longer than one year, maybe even two, just due to the economic situation. If there's no football, but they do play basketball, there's no way they get rid of him. Zero chance they get rid of him. They will not have the money to get rid of him. Dude, America, is going to do everything they can have. They oh, can I know. To have their sports. That, 
you know, we'll, I don't, I don't want to, you know, we're not scientists, pharmaceutical scientists here, so it's tough for, I don't want to get, I don't want to, I don't want to use pharmaceutical science to, jam, to damage the hopes of myself and other people, so I'm just going to hope for it. I, I, but like, I'm there. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's what I meant. But, but my scare with this transfer thing is, is how easily the best programs in the nation can steal. And what I mean by that yep. is, let's say, let's say, uh, let's throw an ACC school out there. Let's say Boston College all of a sudden has a monster power forward. He comes in as a freshman and averages 15 and 8. And he, Boston College has their home stuff. And he kicked Duke's ass. Oh, crud. Guess what? Duke's like, hey, we don't have a power forward in 2023. Let's get that guy. And all of a sudden, the one-time transfer rule basically means that not only are the low majors and mid-majors the minor league system for high-major basketball, the other high-major teams that aren't as good are now the feeder system for the best of college basketball. That's the scary thing. Yeah, That's that, the scary thing. Yeah, that is the scary thing. The The, the situation is like, I, you know, there there's going to be the whole tampering idea right that you can't tamper these kids have to put their name into the transfer portal and you can't you can't talk to them there's no there's probably going to be no good way to monitor that situation i mean you could one could argue that you know drake could basically call foul on on the whole minnesota thing and you know the reality situation they probably could but here here's here's the thing is like giving ed conroy a, a promotion to associate head coach that's not illegal right? He already worked there. Now, can they prove that they they, they tampered? I don't know. Maybe not. But that's the thing that's going to be really hard to manage for the NCAA. And I think why they've been so resistant for so long to change this rule. You know, Ed Conroy was going to get, it's not just, you know, why was Ed Conroy uh, given the raise to associate head coach? Because it was the obvious choice. Rob Jeter isn't here. They're bringing a new guy. Ed, as long as Ed Conroy came get came back, he was going to get that position, no matter if Robin comes here or not. Right. Now, that said, the tampering part, dude, the tampering thing, that's ridiculous. Like that's what that is is telling people in the world, in the basketball community, and all throughout the country, you can't talk. Well, that's never going to happen. Like every single college basketball coaching staff in America is trying to figure out how to get better. And they do, how do they do that? They use connections to figure it out. They, it, it's, it's, it's stupid to say, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that like they, people should be allowed to, to just run wild because you have to have rules. What I am saying is this, it's like policing speeding. Unless you are going 55 in the 30, like, you're not going to get in trouble. Like you have to legitimately do something really stupid, really commonly, and and have and the evidence has to be like wide open. And you probably have to be driving a goddamn uh, what is damn it? I was all set up for it. And I can't remember the car name. What's the car name with the damn with the with the with the oh Maserati? God damn it! Like a Maserati. You almost it's like speeding in there. If you have a Maserati and you're running around Minnesota going 67 and a 30, you're going to get in trouble. But yeah. that's, that's the only way you're going to get caught. Right. Well, but like we've talked about before, just, just to close out, like 
do you really expect that they're going to really put the hammer down on any kind of tampering? I mean, there is audio evidence of Sean Miller and uh, dude, I can't remember his name from LSU. Like there are recordings of them, right? Like those exist and they haven't done anything. They still have jobs. Now this, this might change, right? But to that fact of the matter too, we talked about North Carolina and their full classes, right? They, they didn't, they didn't even get a slap on the wrist, right? Like they just, they don't enforce stuff. Um, they didn't, they just don't enforce stuff unless it's self-managed, right? That the school puts the, puts the, um, the restrictions in place. It just, that's at least how it feels right now. Oh, not only that, like, like they would, they would suspend Ball State. Uh, if they caught Ball State coach giving six players ten bucks each mm-hmm. to eat at Wendy's, they would suspend them and not have a concern about it. But yet, Arizona, North Carolina, even go back, like, go back in years past, like Tennessee, twenty years ago, Tennessee football was in trouble for something, nothing. Notre Dame got in trouble for something years ago. What happened to them? Nothing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Wisconsin, things go bad in Wisconsin. The media is so scared to say anything to get in trouble because a the <laughs> university will come down on you. You don't want Barry Alvarez saying no more credentials. Blah. You don't right. want Barry Alvarez. And, and also, how? What do you think the fan base would be like to that reporter who's? who busted somebody, they, 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 he would be the enemy number one. Right. It's just different in other places. It's not consistent. Right. Well, um, a lot of a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks since we talked. Um, I still expect a lot to happen. You you obviously went over the the possibility of what are they going to do with the last scholarship. We'll find out also what happens with Marcus Carr. It'll also be fun to watch. Um, you know how this NBA draft is going to develop. Uh, you and I will probably record. We'll record some more. We'll hopefully hit a couple other topics. Maybe some more historical stuff. You've done an incredible job um, live tweeting some of the 1997-98 games, uh, or sorry, 96-97 games. Um, from that NCAA tournament run. Those have been super fun. Thank you for doing that. I have, I have enjoyed that immensely. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to uh, continue to record, uh, especially during this, uh, this uncertain, the, these uncertain times in this pandemic. No doubt. And those of you that listen to our, our podcast, if we don't podcast like once a week for the next month, like we, me and Luke deserve a punch in the face <laughs> because he's at home. And I, I have more time to do it too. And we don't have to go an hour every time. Like right. if we don't, re- here's the guarantee. Like somebody out there, I might let you slap Luke in the face. <laughs> if we don't record once a week, maybe it'll be burned. Maybe we'll let Burns punch each other in the face. If we don't do it. As a matter of fact, Burns, Burns might be the only one that stops us. Cause he's going to want to record himself. Yeah. With you. Yeah. You know, but like we should, without a doubt, have the opportunity yeah. to do this regularly going forward. So, All right. Yeah, it was really fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and go Gophers. Luke says go Gophers. I say go home, stay home, be healthy. We'll all be back at it very soon.